Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go Inside the Coach's Headset. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Inside the Coach's Headset. I'm your host, Amos Rogan. You're listening to us on ucsportsnation.com, your one-stop shop for all high school sports here in the Upper Cumberland. We're brought to you by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079 for all your insurance needs. Folks, I am beyond excited today to let you know who our guest is. This is a big deal for me, and it's a big deal for our show, so I hope that you listen to every single second of it. He is the head coach of the University of North Carolina Tar Heel football program, Mac Brown. Coach Brown has been a uh, BCS national champion coach when he was with the University of Texas in 2005. He's coached two Heisman Trophy winners in Ricky Williams and Vince Young. He was elected or enshrined, I guess you could probably say, in the College Football Hall of Fame in 2018. And he's won multiple conference championships and multiple Coach of the Year awards. Again, beyond excited. So let's get right into it and talk with the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels, Mac Brown. Coach, it is a, it's an honor and a privilege to really talk to you. And, and uh, certainly you're the biggest guest we've ever had on this show. So thank you very much for joining us. Well, Amos, I'm very honored to- I love Cookville so much and enjoyed my time there and still have two brothers living there. So a lot of friends in Cookville. So it's a, it's a great to be able to catch up. Um, I know that your, your grandfather is the legendary Eddie Watson. Uh, and, and I know that you picked up a lot of, um, things from him in terms of coaching with you being a third generation coach. Can I tell us a little bit about him and your interactions and some of the things that you picked up from him? Well, my granddad was the the love of my life. I uh, I worked for him in the summers at the recreation department while I was coaching uh, little league and Babe Ruth baseball. And uh, he and I would go fishing every day uh, after I'd work on the fields and and get them cut and uh, mowed and marked. And uh, I just spent a lot of my time with my granddad. And uh, uh, he's a special man. I, I never saw him get mad. Um, he obviously won a lot of football games. The stadium's named after him there, which I'm very proud of. Uh, he um, became superintendent of schools, and, and we were around him more at that time, obviously. Uh, but I, um, I'm very, very proud of him, and I, I think a lot of uh, who we three brothers, uh, Watson and Mel and I, uh, became uh, came from our granddad. And talking about Watson, you know, Watson's still uh, very present, especially in uh, uh, Cookville High School football uh, as recently as last year. Uh, describe kind of that that uh, dynamic to, of you two playing on the same high school football team and, and how you guys really went forward in your coaching careers. Amos, we were very, very lucky. Watson and I are a year and six months apart, and – uh, to to be able to play together and and then be recruited together and and then uh, coaching college football at the same time uh, was was really special because it gave us somebody to bounce ideas off of and and to 
reinforce things that you were thinking. And um, so, and, and we still talk a lot to, to this day. Uh, but it was uh, it was fun to play together. I think I caught 66 passes from him his senior year uh, in the run and shoot offense that Coach Bucky Pitts, Pitts put in uh, that people just weren't ready for. And, and Watson was such a great athlete. And he was so accurate. And then Mel was three years younger than we were, so we didn't get to play with him. Uh, but he had a, a good run when he was there as well. And I said Watson is, uh, was described a little bit more of an elusive type player where you would just prefer just to run over him. Well, I think that means he was more athletic, probably smarter. <laughs> maybe maybe that, that's what both of them meant. But uh, Watson was uh, uh, a tremendous athlete. He could jump sideways. He, he could hit the ground and had tremendous speed. And he was also offered uh, Division One uh, basketball scholarships, like at Western Kentucky, who was really, really good at that time. And, <clears throat> and he could have gone to the, the Pittsburgh Pirates and played professional baseball. So he was uh, – one of the best athletes I've ever seen, uh, but he wanted to play quarterback, and, and he did play some baseball at, at Vanderbilt as well. And if he hadn't gotten hurt, uh, he would have been an All-American and, and I think a Hall of Fame player. But he's just uh, – he was that good. And, and he led us in the, the year uh, – his senior year and my junior year where we won all the games and had a tremendous game out in the, the uh, stadium out at Tennessee Tech uh, on Tucker Field and overall stadium and – it was packed against Clarksville, and it was a great game, and, and we enjoyed it. We had we had a fun time during our high school days. Coach Pitts was a tremendous coach. He was ahead of his time. Um, and with uh, um, our dad on the sporting goods store, he and our mom, Brown Watson Sporting Goods, our granddad was the uh, superintendent of schools, and Coach Pitts was our coach. So we were pretty spoiled. We had a pretty good deal. You did. You, you had a good, uh, good circle of influences for sure. Uh, yes, we did. Going into Vanderbilt, playing at Vanderbilt yourself as a college player and then transferring to, to Florida State, and I know that you got hurt uh, there in your last season, but uh, what are some of the things as you were playing and going through there, and I know your influences from your granddad and your father as well, but what really got in, got you into the coaching uh, bug, uh, I guess you could say, as far as really wanting to pursue a career in that? Well, Watson wanted to go to Vanderbilt because of Fred Russell, the, the great legendary writer. He wanted to be a sports writer. And Fred Russell was very influential in, in that decision. And I wanted to be a lawyer. I thought it was very important. And uh, uh, as I was going to uh, Vanderbilt, it was close to home. Um, we thought we had a chance to win. And um, it, it gave us the opportunities that, that both of us wanted at that time. Um, uh, I had some misunderstandings with the coaching staff at that time because of, of Watson really he hurt his, um, he hurt his arm and, and knee at one time. And, um, they told me to go tell him something. And then he, he wasn't happy with the way that was going. And, and, and basically the coaches said that I didn't tell him the truth. So I actually left and I went to Florida state, not because of Florida state, because, but because of Steve song. And Steve Sloan was a tremendous friend of ours from Cleveland, Tennessee, and and uh, obviously ended up being a coach at Texas Tech and Ole Miss and Vanderbilt and 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 Duke and athletic director at Alabama, and just was a tremendous influence on on our family. Uh, so that's how I ended up at Florida State. And getting into coaching, I know that you started out at, at Appalachian State as your first head coaching job, but. 
moving through that. And you also got a little bit of experience as an athletic director. Uh, tell us a little bit about that and especially kind of realizing what's going on right now with the coronavirus and, and everything, how hard an athletic director's job really is, in, in, in especially these times. Yeah, Amos, we were really blessed uh, to have the families that we had, and Watson and I both just decided to go into coaching. And and um, when we, I got to Appalachian State, uh, I remember he was at Cincinnati, and and on the same day, uh, my first game at Appalachian State, we upset Wake Forest, and his first game at Cincinnati, he he upset uh, Penn State and in, in uh, State College. So it was, uh, I know we had a proud mom and dad that day for sure. Uh, and I'll never forget that day. But um, after that, you you go from Appalachian State, and you go back to Oklahoma as athletic director, as uh, offensive coordinator, and then you you take the job at Tulane because you still want to be a head coach. And I'd been at LSU, so I felt like uh, being in in uh, Louisiana with high school coaches before would really help me at Tulane. And then when we got there, they dropped basketball, and I remember there were. Uh, um, I was 57 guys on scholarship, I think, and you could have 85 and, and 41 of them were on academic probation. So we ran into a real mess. And when they dropped basketball, they ended up making me the athletics director. So I was overloaded at a, a very young age. I think I was in my uh, early 30s. Um, but we, we, we had a mess, and, and we had to clean it all up and try to win some football games and try to make some money and uh, it was a, a great experience for me. It was a very difficult experience, but uh, I understand a little bit about what athletic directors are going through right now. I mean, with the virus and, and losing so much money from March Madness this spring, and I hate it so much that the uh, Olympic sports didn't get to have their seasons. I, I applaud the NCAA for allowing them to come back for another year. Uh, and there's still some question marks about where football will be next fall. And um, all of us who sit around and act like we know, we really don't. It's going to depend on the virus, and it's going to depend on how the virus is handled. And uh, nobody's going to return to football until it's safe. Right, and I think that's the, the ultimately the responsible thing to do when it comes to that. But, uh, you know, everybody misses college football. I know that a, a lot of the spring games, and I'm sure yours right now, is being canceled why don't you tell us a little bit about what's going on within your football program? No, obviously you can't be doing what you want to be doing, but what are you doing? Well, Amos, we, we came back into coaching so we could be around the players, and, and that's what we're missing right now. It's a relationship business, and uh, our relationships, like everybody else's right now, are by Zoom because we can't have contact uh, in, in person with our players um, just, just because of the virus. So we, we are trying to have a, a new normal schedule. We have two staff meetings a week, uh, one on Monday and one on Friday. Uh, we have a team meeting or two each week. The guys are still working out. Um, they're on class with uh, with Zoom. So they have all their online classes. For um, the University of North Carolina, they've already said that on, uh, classes this summer for summer school will be online. Uh, so we're not sure when our guys can come back. So uh, we're having to ask them to, to step up and handle this adversity and, and be very accountable without us being around them very much and and uh, try to come back in a better place than they left. And that will separate them from some people on their team that won't be as accountable. But 
also from some uh, some of their opponents. So, um, but I'm, I'm proud of our coaches. It's never been a more important time than to have a great staff, and they have meetings with the players each week. We have an offensive and defensive team meeting, and and then they break up into um, uh, into individual position groups. We have some speakers come in and, and speak to them. So uh, we're trying our best to over communicate with them. Uh, because they're all at home at this time. And, and talking about those relationships that you're trying to to maintain and, and still have contact with your players, um, and and one of the reasons why you went to to Tulane as well uh, is the recruiting and and being able to uh, try to improve your program uh, every year. Uh, you're known as one of the best recruiters in the country, and obviously you can get some good players or otherwise you wouldn't have had two Heisman Trophy winners come through your program. So, um, you know, the development of players, how do you really uh, attribute some of the things that maybe your father and your grandfather and just kind of growing up in this kind of a smaller community of Cookville uh, allowed you to, to be a little bit more personable towards some of these kids who may have not really had a whole lot of male figures in their lives that, that could be influential. Amos, we were so lucky to, to grow up in Cookville. We still have a tremendous amount of friends there, but we had our mom and dad in the house. Uh, we had grandmother and granddad right there in, in town. We had another granddad that was uh, over in Salina that we could drive and see and uh, had a lot of relatives around. So um, we, we, definitely grew up uh, with the, the small town atmosphere uh, with a tremendous family. We were home every night at 10 o'clock. We had a curfew. Uh, I mean, we were, uh, we were raised right. And, and I give my mom and dad a, a whole lot of credit for that. Um, I think the thing that uh, as, as many things in my life that granddad influenced other than just smiling and being nice to people and, um, never walking by anybody without stopping and saying hello or shaking a hand or signing an autograph if somebody wanted it uh, or caring about somebody else. Um, he told me one time, just always do what you know is the right thing to do. And if you have to ask, it's probably not. Mm-hmm. And if you always do what is the right thing to do, you're going to have a great life. And, um, and, and that's something I remember every day of my life that my granddad gave me. And you've had a, a quite a few people uh, come through your program in terms of coaches, and some of them are, are coaching big-time Division One uh, programs in the ACC, SEC, and, and other major Power Five conferences. But uh, uh, one of the ones that, that kind of struck a chord with me because I'm originally from, from Upper East Tennessee is uh, Coach Carl, Carl Torbush. Uh, who coached quite a long time at ETSU. Uh, tell me a little bit about how you and, and Coach Torbush uh, got along there within your program. Well, Coach Torbush was ahead of his time. He, um, uh, We had a, a, the number one defense in the country uh, our last year at North Carolina, and he gets so much of that credit from recruiting those great players to, to having them. I think there were three first-round draft choices on that defense and, and maybe – 19 guys were drafted uh, in the two deep on that defense. So uh, we were really, really good. But he was doing some great things at that time, and, and that's why they decided to promote him as the head coach after I left. And 
And then Carl uh, was a tremendous defensive coordinator throughout the country. He did a good job restarting East Tennessee. And um, I talked to him every now and then. We're trying to get him to come back to a game and, and uh, get him to come over here so we can honor him. That's that's great. Uh, again, you know, Will Muschamp, Tom Herman, Gene Chiswick, Major Applewhite, uh, and, and many other coaches that, that, that you that you've coached. Through your time, the 40-plus years you've been in coaching uh, and seeing some of these guys, how much do you think they themselves have changed the game of college football from the time that you really got into it to where you are today? Uh, They've changed it a lot. Social media changed it as much as anything because now you've got more access to to families and recruits than ever before. Uh, There's – more chatter about coaching and coaches than ever before. Uh, there's uh, uh, anonymous talk about whether you did your job right or not. Uh, so it's a it's a very different world in coaching than it was when when Watson and I got into it many many years ago. And um, some of that's really good, and it's re- reinforced the, the the game and help kids. And some of it's hard, and it, it makes it tougher on your families and tougher on your players. So. Um, if you're going to go into the business nowadays, you, you better have tough skip because you're going to have a lot of things said about you, good and bad. Coach Paul Dietzel was a great friend of mine at LSU. He won a national championship there when he was 30. He came back and he got fired there when he was 60. And he said, my friend, uh, don't worry about what's written in the paper because if you look at the stacks at mine, I got uh, half of them are really positive and probably not all true. And Half of them are really negative and probably not all true either. So uh, don't worry about it. Just go do your job. And, and doing that job, Coach, uh, it's, it's, it's got to be rewarding when you see so many players that have come through your program, regardless of where you were at. Whether And, and you know, obviously the most success that you had was at Texas with winning the national championship in 2005. But uh, irregardless of that national championship – just describe how it is to see so many young men that, that have grown up and been fathers and, and husbands and, you know, just good influences in the community that have come through your program. Amos, it's the, the most rewarding thing about being a head coach. And, and Watson was a head coach for many years, and I've been a head coach for many years. And the reward that you get is uh, – watching those players grow up and have their families and getting their Christmas cards at, uh, every year. And, and, um, they, they replayed the national championship game the other night on ESPN. And I got so many texts, text messages from those players that were on that team. And, um, when, uh, my wife, Sally has a birthday, she gets these mother's day texts all day from, from hundreds of players that, that we've been around for a long time. So, uh, we really feel fortunate that, uh, uh, for head coaches that didn't get to stay long enough to have a, a tenure where they can watch their, their players grow up, uh, I, I hate it for them because that's really the most rewarding thing. And uh, last question here, Coach, and, and again, I really appreciate you taking the time out today, but I know, and, and you mentioned Miss Sally, uh, you guys have a, a long-standing tradition of giving back to the community, and, and especially in Austin and I know that, that you guys have as well in Chapel Hill, but uh, how important is that for you all just to, uh, you know, show how much you care and how much the community has given to you? Amos, it's twofold. Number one, we've, we've been paid well, so we, we have some money that we can give back. 
to other people that are less fortunate. And when you get in that position as a head football coach, you're a, a person that's visible in your state and in your community. And I think it's really, really important that you, you do reach out and you send the message to other people that giving is a, a lot more important than taking. And that um, we, we uh, every time Sally and I have been involved in something where we can raise money for or give money back to something, uh, it makes us feel really, really good. And it also sends a message to all of our players that giving is very, very important. Well, Coach, uh, again, thank you so much. Head Coach Mac Brown of the University of North Carolina and Putnam County native. Uh, sir, it was an honor and a privilege to talk to you, and uh, I hope that uh, you can come back to Cookville at some point. Well, thank you, Amos. I, I love Cookville very much. I've got so many tremendous friends there. I talk to Ralph Mullins and Otis Phillips all the time. Uh, my younger brother Mel is is there as well, and um, so I, I I love to get back and see those those lakes and those rolling hills. But uh, Mel came to a game last year, and and Otis and and Ralph did as well. So I still try to keep uh, a lot of connection with my roots. But I love Cookville, Tennessee. That was the head coach of the North Carolina Tar Heels from right here in Cookville, head coach Mac Brown. Folks, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. We are brought to you by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079 or once the social distancing is over with, go see him at 425 East Broad Street right here in Cookville. Again, we are on Facebook. Please make sure that you're searching inside the Coach's Headset podcast. Join our page and let us know how we're doing as well as make some suggestions on who you would like to hear in future episodes. Again, I'm your host, Amos Rogan. Thanks so much. Please share this podcast as much as possible. Be blessed, and we will talk to you next time. Inside the Coach's Headset, presented by Tony Smith, your hometown shelter insurance agent. Call Tony at 528-7079. 528-7079. The X's and O's of coaching from the Upper Cumberland's best as we go inside the Coach's Headset.